Hey guys, welcome to episode number 13 of the Brave Widow Show. Today we have Jarrett Wise, who is going to help educate us on life insurance. Now, as widows, we're probably a guilty party in knowing that life insurance is important and knowing that we should have it, but probably don't take the time to learn more about it or to set up something for our children or other loved ones that we want to take care of. Jarrett's story is amazing. You're going to get to hear more about him, so I don't want to tell you too much, but his mother was widowed with 10 children, 10, five of which were still at home, and his father had allowed the life insurance policy to lapse three months before he unexpectedly died. Jarrett has an incredible heart for widows, an incredible passion for helping people understand what's needed to take care of their family. And if you hear nothing else in this podcast, please skip forward to the end to hear about Jarrett, his story, and what he would tell widows and those of you who may be listening. I think you're really going to enjoy today's episode. So let me go ahead and introduce Jarrett. Jarrett Wise is a 23-year-old youth pastor and life insurance broker. He lost his dad in 2020 from an out-of-nowhere widow-maker heart attack and watched as the grief and sorrow burdened the heart of his mom and changed her whole life in an instant. He lives his life in service of others and helps as many people as he can make important decisions so that they can take care of their family's future. If you'd like to work with Jarrett after our conversation today, I'll be including the link to his Facebook page in the show notes. All right, let's dive in. Welcome to the Brave Widow Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Jones. We help young widows heal their heart, find hope, and dream again for the future. Okay. Hey guys, welcome to this episode of the Brave Widow Show. Um, I'm excited to have with me Jarrett. I'll let him tell you a little bit about himself and what he does, and we'll make sure that you have ways to get in contact with him. But we're excited to have him here and to see what information he can share with us so we can learn more about life insurance. So Jarrett, I'll turn it over to you if you'll just tell us a little bit about you and what you do. Sure. So I'm a life insurance broker. I basically compare rates across different carriers to help people find the best type of coverage for their situation. Of course, you know, that varies for a lot of different people. Some people can't qualify for something. Some people don't have the budget for other things, but that's my job. And it takes the headache away for a lot of people. Um, a lot of times you're sold on certain places or certain companies that maybe you have insurance through for your home or your auto and you're not getting the best deal and that's kind of why i do what i do i try to help people get what's best for them and their family so that's probably a good way to sum it up <laughs> okay so jared would it be fair to say you don't necessarily work for one insurance company you help people you know really take the the burden off of them of shopping around to find what rate's going to be best for them yeah. And when I first got into this, I thought, well, that'll be easy, <laughs> but it is. So there, there I, I work with 14 at the time right now, at the time of this recording, 14 carriers. Of course, I have the ability to get contracted with other ones. I'm picky about who I work with because I only work with A-rated carriers. That's not just because I like them or because they have a well-recognized name. The thing that most people are interested in with life insurance is if something happens and I need to file a claim, 
can I get in contact with these people? That's one of the things I'll go into it more later on, but that's one of the things that's great about working with certain companies and working with a broker, just having that direct line. And so, yeah, I work with a lot of different carriers, some of them pretty well known, Mutual of Omaha, AIG, John Hancock, those types of carriers, but I work with a lot of them and I can, I'll probably put with my email and stuff in the link, the different carriers I go through that way. People have kind of an idea of that, but. Perfect. Yeah. I obviously, before I met you, I had thought like probably most people, if you have auto and home and other insurances with a certain carrier, you think that you're automatically going to get the best discount or the best rate or like they know you, you know, they'll insure you. But sometimes that's not always the case. A lot of times, in fact, it's not. It wasn't for me either. So having a broker that you can work with and having someone who does all that heavy lifting for you can be really helpful. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's the job. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So a lot of our, our listeners are widows or maybe they're anticipating that their spouse is going to be passing. And so they may have some experience with life insurance or they may think, man, we really should have had it, but we didn't. But, you know, they could be in a state of overwhelm. Like there's so many different options. There's different types of life insurance. Could you maybe just, if you were to simplify things like, I know there's term life insurance and then there's another thing called whole life and there may be other things out there, but what would you say are the key differences between term and whole life insurance? Okay, so the major difference would be term is not permanent. You know, there's specified numbers of years, different carriers do more. They could probably do up to 40 years. Some of them, some of them do up to 25, but basically within five-year increments, you can get covered for a certain periods of time, but that's not permanent. And now the good thing about term is it's cheap. Uh, That's because these companies use risk assessment and that risk assessment, if they only have to make sure you're healthy enough to not pass away for 20 years, they're going to give you a decent rate because it's not likely for a lot of people, you know, and of course we don't know, but they use actuaries and they decide whether that's likely that someone will die in 20 years and they give them a good rate. Now, obviously, so that's not permanent. If they are to die after that is expired, they're actually out of luck. Now there are our products in the market that will give you your cash back. If you don't use it, like everything you paid into premiums for the whole 30 years, they give it right back to you. That's great. It's a good way for young people to feel secure in that because they don't usually have a lot of extra money to spend. But to get back to it, whole life, whole life is a permanent insurance and it accumulates cash value, which you can borrow against eventually. I wouldn't say it's necessarily for that purpose, but it's an added benefit, I guess. And whole life is great because it doesn't expire, but the cons to it are it's usually very expensive not for everybody but for a lot of people it's very expensive and it also has the death benefit is usually not quite as high and so you'll see a lot of term policies with a million dollars or like some even go up to like five million dollars many people stick around 250 500,000 something like that whole life policies barring exceptions usually they're not going to give you a million dollars they'll probably give you like 200,000 500,000 maybe and I see the people that I work with on a day-to-day, I never see people get that much. So I'm saying it is rare for people to get a giant face amount on whole life. Right. So it probably depends on each person's unique situation and what they're wanting to 
get out of the of the goal of having life insurance. Certainly, I would expect that most people have it, you know, to cover their funeral services, maybe help raise their family if they have small kids and someone else will need to take that responsibility on once they they die. But you no, know, is it fair to say that really everyone should take the time to study both options, the pros and cons, and then just make the decision that's best for them and their situation? Absolutely. And everybody, of course, you just mentioned it. You said people have different goals with their insurance. Some people you talk to, they'll say, you know, really, in life insurance is only for one thing. That's to protect your income. That's not everybody's mindset. Some people say life insurance is so that I can leave my kids with a legacy that I couldn't leave them on my own. You know, I don't have this much money in the bank. If I die, they're not going to inherit anything. You know, I don't have a lot. But if I have a life insurance policy, well, they do inherit something. And like you said, there's different goals. So yeah, if you're, you got to understand what your mindset is. And that's another thing that kind of helps having a broker, I guess, is you have somebody to help you understand your mindset. Now, some people say, oh, I have a goal. I, you know, I want my kids to be protected. It's okay. Okay, that's great. The final expense of 10000 just to cover your burial and funeral expenses is probably not going to cut it for giving them something, you know, later on, or even just to pay the bills if you're not there. So yeah, you have to understand your goals and you have to, of course, study what you're, I mean, you're, you're making a commitment. You're not signing a contract. That's the nice thing about life insurance is if you stop paying, you're not held like legally liable. You just don't get the benefits anymore. But you are going into a commitment and you're really, you're telling your family like, listen, I'm going to protect you. So why would you not take the time to study it out and see if it's going to protect them? You know, if I have a policy right today and I know that my policy will pay out if I die, you know, then even if it's an accident or even if it's not an accident, I get diagnosed with a terminal illness. There are policies that don't cover some things and they cover other things. So you need to make sure you know what you're getting into. Oh, yeah, that's a great point. So even thinking about how much life insurance somebody should buy or how much of a policy they need, what would you say or a few of the things that they should really consider when they're trying to decide how much they, they truly need to purchase? Sure. So financial experts, financial advisors will tell people to get anywhere between, and I've heard wider ranges, but between 10 and 15 times their current income annually, which to a lot of people, you know, so let's say you make 50,000 a year. So you, that's 500,000, you know, that's that some people they need that some people they don't. Again, you have to understand your goals. I don't, when I talk to people who are older, they have a lot of assets, they have a couple of different, you know, they have a 401k and IRA, a pension and all this other stuff. Those are things you need to consider as well, because I don't sell people the biggest possible policy they can get because I, I want to make a lot of money. I try and get them something that they actually will need. And you know, what, what, what insurance is, is supposed to transfer risk from you to an insurance company. So with that risk, you need to understand what is at stake if I were to pass away? What, what crater, what hole, what void am I leaving with my family? And so I advise people what I do and what everyone who does what I do, they, they take a financial inventory they find out what your monthly expenses are, your annual income, where money, basically where money's income going and, and coming in. And then we, <clears throat> we find out based on that, how much you need. So I couldn't tell you, you know, how much you need until I went through that with you, but I could tell you a safe bet. Make sure you're fi I mean, the financial burden is covered. If you're going to leave behind, let's say you're, you know, 
you're going to leave behind a bunch of kids who are under the age of 18. You need to leave at least enough for them to be able to have the things in place that they need. I don't know what your house payment is. I don't know your bills, but they got to be able to survive for a couple of years at least because they are kids. <laughs> you know, they're not going to go out and get a full-time job and support the family. And of course, there's other things, foster care or whatever, if you're the last living parent. But, you know, those things all need to be taken into consideration. Okay, that's great. And I I agree. I've heard many people say, you know, 10 times your annual income. But to your point, you have to look at your whole financial picture and decide, you know, if you have a million dollars in your savings account, you might not need another big life insurance policy. So it 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 is different. I have heard different folks in the insurance industry really use whole life as an investment strategy in addition to your typical insurance coverage. Do you have any thoughts or opinions on that? I, I do. I do. I'm going to move my computer here and plug it in so I don't die on the, on the call with you. Okay. My thoughts on the investment portion are life insurance is not an investment strategy. There are policies that can allow for that. Of course, whole life builds cash. I'll mention it since we're talking about it. Universal life policies, index universal life policies. They, they not only build cash value, but they they are indexed on the S&P 500, meaning they'll climb with the S&P 500. But let's say you get a $200,000 universal life policy. It'll climb at the same percentage of the S&P 500. You say, well, that's risky. I don't want to lose my life insurance because the stock market crashes. It's based on 200000 It doesn't go below that. So it's kind of like you could possibly get more over the period of time. And it's great in a down market like today. You know, some stocks are doing very poorly but you'll see gains in the times that are high, but you will never see losses. That's cool. That's also not <laughs> the best investment strategy because it's not, it doesn't yield the same returns as different, but that's the thing. It's a, a lot of it's about risk and I'm not a financial advisor, but I will say there's a stark difference between life insurance and, and uh, having an investment portfolio. If you need life insurance, get life insurance. Now, if you want to go, <laughs> Get, get a stock advisor to help you with the other stuff. I mean, that makes sense. But I will say if you, if what you want, if what you want to see is your life insurance increase in value over time, I like universal life. That's a personal preference, but I don't think a whole life policy is an investment vehicle. It's, it, and the fact of the matter is all you're really doing with a whole life policy is adjusting for inflation. In 50 years, you're still living, you may have gained a little bit, but has it caught up with inflation or not? You know, mm. that's all you're really doing is you're keeping up with inflation. Oh, yeah, I think that's a great point. And I would encourage people, you know, have an estate planner, an attorney that helps you with your estate planning, have a financial planner and someone right. that helps you with investment advice and what kind of rates of return you could expect in different areas. And then have a, a partner that you work with in the life insurance space to really understand your different options of what you have there. But I appreciate you saying that. And I know sometimes that's that's used as a way to to try to encourage people to buy whole life. And I think if you want whole life and that's the right option for you, that's great. Maybe just don't lean into that solely as your investment strategy. Okay. How much insurance, so if folks, let's say they have young kids at home and they've evaluated what they think they need if they were to pass, but do you have any recommendations on maybe on average what you see or what people typically do to have some sort of life insurance or rider policy on their kids? Well, 
I'll put it like this for my for my kid. I have a $50,000 whole life policy on my child. It is not because I think that if my child were to pass away, he'll leave me in a financial burden or some way like that. But of course, there's funeral expenses with kids too. But the reason I have a, a, a life policy on my child is so that one day, if he would like, he can take, take that life insurance policy, take it over, and he's paying like bare minimums because he got it when he was one. He's going to pay, you know, would you kill for a whole life policy of 50 grand with paying $11 a month? I mean, a lot of people would, and you have no right. health conditions. Even if you got diagnosed with something at 15, you're already covered. So, you know what I mean? It, it, it's kind of like, it's the long game for your kids. And that's the thing. I care about protecting people's families. I care more about protecting my own. <laughs> and that's why I don't tell everybody to get life insurance on your kid. But if I was your, if I was you, I would. <laughs> I get, I got it on my kid. And I'll say, how much life insurance do you need on your kid? Honestly, how much life insurance you need is probably uh, enough to get any type of expenses they would, in, you would incur from them passing away. But it is, again, do you want them to have the option of when they turn 18, taking that policy over, paying the whatever a month, that's a lot cheaper than everyone else, or even cashing it out. And they would have built 18 years of cash value if you got it when they were born. They have that option. That's kind of a good way for them to get a little bit of a head start among maybe some of their peers. They, you know, not everyone gets that opportunity. So it is about planning. It is about, it is about what you want to see happen. So I, I would say worst case scenario, get some final expense coverage on your children. There's very cheap rates out there. It's almost literally almost nothing to do that. But then if you want to set them up for the future, that's a different conversation. Still not that expensive. And it's definitely something to consider if you, you know, if you want to see your kids succeed. Yeah, I, that's great. And I think sometimes what people forget too are expenses that even above and beyond the funeral. So say right. a funeral may run eight or $10,000, but what if you have to miss work for a few weeks because you're grieving or because, you know, your, your child became sick and was in ICU for a period of time before they passed. So right. those are maybe some things to think about is extra funding to help care for things above and beyond even that just initial funeral expense yeah um, and there's also this isn't necessarily for children i was going to bring this up later but just as far as final expense goes you're so you're so right i mean the different expenses that go into it is not just burial or cremation or funeral expenses but what about the family who's directly related to the deceased they have to tr maybe they live in a different state they got to travel they got to miss work you know and you brought that up but there's so many different things and also one thing about life insurance that's a little different than let's say you have a lot of money in the bank and you're you know you plan on using that your kids can use that when you die to take care of stuff that's not going to that's going to be taxed really like a lot estate taxes are insane so it is something to consider even with all those things maybe putting something small enough in place to take care of that kind of stuff and i think average if i last count i think average was like between 8 and 12,000 dollars for a funeral my dad's was 10 so it's not like cheap at all and so you want to make sure that you're not hurting you're not hurting anyone in your family if something happens to you yeah i actually earlier this week saw on my facebook page a, a friend of someone that i worked with they just lost their 10 month old child unexpectedly to rsv complications so think about the time i mean it was a healthy 10 month old you weren't thinking that anything would happen and Think about the time they, they probably spent in the hospital and to your point, people traveling in and the time off work and, 
you know, they're trying to raise enough money just to pay for cremation and some of those other things. And it's just heartbreaking to think on top of grieving and worrying about, you know, (laughs) pulling everyone together and what life's going to look like in the future. Now you also have this other expense weighing you down of, well, how am I going to pay for the funeral and, and some of those other services? It's, it's really hard. All right. As people are looking at different plans, and I think you talked about this a little bit, are there certain differences, like certain exclusions, certain things that say they get five quotes and they come back and they're just looking at the prices? Are there anything specifically in those policies people should try to compare or maybe try to watch out for when they're looking at differences? Yeah, absolutely. You always, always, always need to read your policy. I mean, if you have a policy, you're let's say you're already in one, get it right now and read it if you don't know what's in it. Because sometimes you have a policy and you say, well, we're covered. And then you find out when something happens, or maybe your loved one finds out when something happens, this was an accidental policy and you died of lung cancer. It doesn't pay out. That's something that we really need to like. It needs to be brought to people's attention because there's so many salespeople out there who just want to get you to sell. They want to buy you a policy, like want you to buy a policy. And then, you know, from there on, if it doesn't meet your needs or whatever, I mean, they made their sale. It's so important to read your policy. And of course, you have to make sure what you have is actually life insurance. Some people tell me, hey, I have a, a policy is what they call it. But I don't even know if it would be that through my local funeral home for my final expenses. That's not life insurance. I mean, sure, it'll cover the cost of your plot and maybe you got a good deal on that and stuff and you know, maybe then it'll take care of your burial, but that's not um, many times. I mean, like 99 times out of 100, that's not gonna be what you need. You also need to look because you have different policies through your work. You see your work and you say, oh, I have a life insurance policy through my work. Read it, it's group insurance. Most of the time, group insurance is crap because they don't know who they're, they're not taking individual risk assessments. They're seeing you as an employee. You're not, they're not seeing you as a person. And that there are exclusions. For instance, many different life insurance, they don't offer like living benefits and things like that. Or, or maybe they don't give you certain benefits because you're a smoker or you, know, you need to look into that stuff. And there's differences in all these policies. There's differences that'll help you. If you do develop a terminal illness, they'll help pay your living benefits. They'll give you your face amount before you die so that you can fight off the disease or whatever the case may be, pay for medical care. So yeah, and there, as you said about exclusions, most of the time those are covered by the carrier, meaning that if you're not gonna be, like if it's not gonna be right for you, you're not even gonna get accepted in the first place. You know, so, you know, there is that to consider. And that's another thing. Some people say, well, I've got denied, you know, through, whatever nationwide or whoever i'm running my other insurances through so i know i can't get life insurance it's like you tried one place <laughs> there's criteria for this kind of thing and they make companies specifically for people with bad health so so oh, that's definitely- great yeah. so even if people have been declined in the past even if maybe they smoke or they're not in the greatest health or they're overweight you would suggest that people still try to get some sort of life insurance coverage and I would think using a broker would be really helpful because then you have a lot of options that you're shopping, not just, you know, one or two that you get around to filling out the application for. Right. And, you know, not, I'm not going to sell it to people. I mean, you literally, you take the financial burden of whatever you're, you know, putting on yourself 
yet you're going you're gonna to get a policy and it might very well be exactly what your family needs. But if you can't afford it, it's not good for your family. So you have, and that's another thing is what I try to do is try to get everybody in within their budget as best as I can. Now it's sort of like going to a car dealership because people are like, well, I want the new, I want the new 2023, you know, I want the Camaro or whatever. And they're like, yeah, and I want to pay 10 grand. Okay. That's great. It's not going to work. It's not going to happen. You may want that. I want that too, but it's not going to happen. So I always, but I always ask, I say, well, what do you think, what, what are you comfortable with each month spending? Because before I find them a policy that they can't afford for the coverage that they need, I want to find them a policy that they can't afford for something. Because some people will go with just no coverage. Like, well, I can't, I don't, can't afford coverage. It's like, no, you just can't afford the big ticket coverage. Just get coverage because you need it, you know? So definitely need to look around, definitely need to compare. And uh, yeah, I think, I think it, you'd be very wise to either go with a broker or even, I don't, I'm not saying everybody would know enough to do this but if you know enough a little bit about life insurance maybe maybe you could do the research yourself if you're on a but the thing the thing is with a broker too it's a free service i mean yeah we're getting paid but you're not paying us so it's it's kind of like a no-brainer to go with a broker right. yeah yeah i'll definitely second that all right well thank you so much for your time and sharing your insights with us jared is there Anything else that, you know, any other tips that you would give people or anything you want to share about how they can find you if they'd like to work with you as a broker? Yeah, sure. Well, first off, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I am sort of a new business owner, I guess you could say, but my name is Jarrett Weiss and I, I'll leave all that in the description for you and all that. But I do just want to say this because I, I do love the topic of this podcast, not life insurance, of course, but about the widow as you know, we've talked, but I'd like to just share it with your audience. You know, my mom in 2020, she lost her husband my, very early on in the year. And something, I mean, it was something crazy. He had a widowmaker heart attack, never had any health, really health conditions. He had a EKG like a couple months before that and everything came back great. And so, you know, he had some heartburn every now and then, took Prilosec, you know, but nothing so serious. So, Obviously, I came at a shock. He was only 52. My mom was like 49, I believe. So, you know, obviously it comes as a shock that hurts a family. And I'm not going to be the one of those people that pretends to know what a widow is going through because I didn't lose my wife. I didn't lose my significant other. I lost my dad. A lot different of a feeling, I'm sure. And I don't, I have seven brothers and two sisters. I don't even tell my brothers I know how you're feeling because my dad was something to me that may not have been the same person to my brother, you know. But I will say this because I love, I, I love the topic of this podcast. I want to just to give my heart out to you why I got into this thing. My dad had life insurance October of the year prior. He had a, a very, uh, he's a business owner. So it wasn't like he made 50,000 a year. You know, he had 10 kids. It's like he had a lot to protect if you, if you will. But when he passed away, he had let the policy go unpaid for three months. So he was just out of the grace period and he had to make ends meet and I empathize with my dad. He had to make ends meet. There's hard times and people go through hard times. There probably was no risk. He probably thought, well, I'm healthy, you know? So, but when none of us have a crystal ball, we don't know what's gonna go on in the future. But I just wanted to say that don't let this current circumstances you're in or, or case may be, maybe you're 25 or maybe, you know, you're, you're young and healthy. Don't let that make you put this off. I'll tell you right now, you're never going to find better prices at your age and you're never going to, you're, you're never going to realize, well, tomorrow I'm going to die. You know, you don't know that. And so that's just something I wanted to leave everybody with. And I don't care, to be honest, I really don't care if people come 
and shop around with me. I really don't care. I mean, it's great to get your name out there and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I don't want to see somebody like my mom have to go through raising five still at home without a main breadwinner. She was a stay-at-home mom, nothing but like social security. And I think everyone who's listening to this podcast knows that social security is junk. It's, it's not enough. And, uh, you know, I don't like to see people struggle. I'm a youth pastor, Grace Baptist Church in Crestline, Ohio. And when I see hurting people, I, I try to tell them, first off, you know, no one can make this loss any better for you. Nobody can make this loss hurt less for you. I don't have the words to say, but I will tell you that you can stop this loss from hurting someone else as bad as it hurt you. You know, you can stop your, the loss of you to be as impactful as uh, it was when you lost somebody in your life. Um, and I also will say there's one thing that's more important than life insurance. And I hope you don't mind me saying this, but I'm a youth pastor. <laughs> there's one thing more important than life insurance. And if you were to pass away today and you don't know 100% for sure what's going to happen to you, if you, if you were to die, whether you're going to spend eternity in heaven or hell, that's far more important than any type of financial burden, any type of investment strategy, any type, anything like that. And so that's, that's what I want to leave you with. And I appreciate you letting me come on the show. Derek, amazing life insurance and eternal life insurance, but that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for just being willing to share some, some good insight and advice for our widows and also just being able to share from your heart of what you've personally experienced that had to be soul crushing additional frustration and challenge for your family in addition to losing, you know, your dad. And I think sometimes we think as widows, we should know best that we need life insurance more than maybe people who haven't gone through that. But sometimes we might be the worst at doing what we know needs to be done just because we fall into the trap of making assumptions. Oh, well, that happens to other people. It, it doesn't happen to me. And the reality is that one day it is going to happen. So let's get yeah. prepared. And like you said, be prepared eternally for what's going to happen as well. So, all right. Thank you so much for your time today. I enjoyed having you here. Awesome. Thanks. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the Brave Widow podcast. I would love to help you take your next step, whether that's healing your heart, finding hope, or achieving your dreams for the future. Do you need a safe space to connect with other like-minded widows? Do you wish you had how-tos for getting through the next steps in your journey, organizing your life, or moving through grief? What about live calls where you get answers to your burning questions? The Brave Widow membership community is just what you need. Inside, you'll find courses to help guide you, a community of other widows to connect with, live coaching and Q&A calls, and small group coaching where you can work on what matters most to you. Learn how to heal your heart, find hope, reclaim joy, and dream again for the future. It is possible. Head on over to bravewidow.com to learn more.